0: Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's
1: Jay. And welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. I am your host, Jay Madison, along with co-host Mr. Ron Robbins, uh, sitting across the Counter from me. How you doing, Ron?
0: Hey, I'm doing good. We got a beautiful uh, Friday afternoon here. Jay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't complain about this. It's about time summer got here.
0: Yeah, at least uh, for a day or two. Yeah, earlier in the week, I think uh, one morning it was 46 degrees, and uh, I saw pictures of frost actually in Redfield, New York. Really? Yeah.
1: Well, it doesn't surprise me up in Redfield. Yeah, I mean, that's,
0: I mean, <laughs> they probably still got snow under the bushes up there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, for folks that might be listening from elsewhere. Uh, Redfield, New York, is on the Tug Hill Plateau on the eastern end of Lake Ontario, and it's uh, for us, it's high in elevation, and they get tons of snow in the wintertime, so yeah, it's entirely possible they may still have some snow here in some place.
0: Well, you know, and talking about weather, Jay, I mean, what a a season of extremes we've had here locally, and uh, you know, we went from having a really good first two weeks of May where it was dry and actually starting to get a little too dry. Then we had four weeks of uh, nothing but rain and heavy, heavy rain, which really impacted uh, a lot of the crops being planted here and especially in northern Jefferson County and St. Lawrence County and on up along the Canadian border into Quebec, and now we're almost in a little bit of a flash drought here again with, uh, (laughs) you know, and you you hear that term flash drought, but you know, two weeks ago yesterday was the last rain we had here locally. But then, night before last, Adams, had one point eight inches. Yeah, we got. It was hammered. very isolated. We got hammered.
1: It's just crazy. Yeah, and we don't need any more rain in Adams, where we've got all the rain. Yeah, and
0: there. you know, I I went to Canton yesterday. Uh, I needed some peace of mind, so I jumped in a truck and delivered a load of corn up to Pool and Grain in Canton, and and once I hit just north of Philadelphia, it rained all the way to Canton. Yeah. And I had a truck coming back from Swanton, Vermont, and he said it rained so hard a couple times coming across Route 11 from uh, Rouse's Point to Malone that he had to pull over and stop. Wow.
1: Just crazy. Just yeah. crazy. And yet it's dry over at your neck. Of the yeah,
0: way. along the river and the lake here where uh, we've rolled into this little bit of a flash drought. It's just uh, it's just amazing. Uh, and that storm... Uh, that storm was really weird uh, night before last because the winds were out of the south and it, it, the rain came out of the north.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was the the storms were traveling from uh, a northerly direction southward, if I remember correctly. Yes, which yeah. is very unusual yeah. for us. It was yeah. just crazy how they were uh, traveling along the front as it was uh, as it was passing through. So. Yeah, just uh, crazy, crazy weather. Here. If
0: any uh, buddy can't figure it out, Jay and I are real weather uh, uh, junkies. So, uh. yeah,
1: just about every conversation we have on or off the air, we start out. Well, what do you see for the weather? What, what's the? Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to. We want to uh, get into uh, talking a little bit about the labor situation because you're you're doing something that's. Um, uh a little bit different for dairy farms, at least in my experience here in northern New York. You know, as, as folks out there know, it, the labor situation for every industrial sector has just been crazy here lately. Trying to find people to work um, has been a nightmare. And here at Jefferson County Local Development Corporation, we have been trying to assist our local businesses in doing training programs, uh, helping them find funding sources, uh, trying to attract a a labor pool uh, to keep our businesses going. And it's it's been difficult. We've even uh, put in place programs to help with child care so that there was more child care out there so that people that wanted to work but had a little one at home uh, could have dependable child care to go out and work. Um so you know, and we've worked with other agencies to do that. So it's been crazy, Ron. And and uh, the farms are certainly experiencing this issue.
0: Correct. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. You go to you go out on the farm. Uh, you know, the labor pool is really short. Um, you know, I think if you like you said, you talk to any business, uh, whether it's seasonal business or industrial complex, uh, they're all having those struggles. And really, some background on this this issue really, I think the pandemic really kind of magnified a problem that was somewhat presenting itself slowly, but surely. And, uh, you know, I think you could even go back to maybe the economic, uh, meltdown in 2008, where a lot of people lost a lot of their 401k. And so rather, you know, they had to work another several years. Right. right. And, uh, um, you know rather than being able to retire so that kept some elderly people in the workforce a little longer right and to try to rebuild some of the money they lost during that meltdown you also you know you had that baby boomer generation that was a lot of people in it um you know a lot of people were born during that time but then the pandemic hit and all those people that had decided you know to work a few more years plus all the people that were approaching retirement or or at retirement age, all said, you know what, I'm I'm done. Yep. I'm I'm retiring yep. here now. Yep. I'm getting out. Their stock market was high, and uh, so so they left the workforce. Same time, a lot of women left the workforce because of childcare issues. Yep. and and the replacements for for that generation uh, is a generation that they're just there's not too many of them to begin with. People weren't having kids. They were having kids later in life, and
1: we are, you know, in our discussions amongst our agency and other agencies involved in economic development, uh, you know, we're we're seeing this as at least a decade long problem. Yes, uh, before and even then, you don't know what will be. The situation at the end of that decade, right? Um, but we can see this going out for the next ten years. This labor resource issue, um, it, you know, uh, just you know, for example, I'm a, I'm I'm a prime example. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm 56 years old. My wife and I have one son. Uh, where yeah. families in the generation before us had multiple children. Uh, people in my age bracket, there's an awful lot of us that only had one child, right? And so that population is going down; it's it's reducing that labor pool. That you know, my son is now at that point where he is entering the the, the workplace, right? And there's only one of him, not two or three right. or four. So that's that's exacerbating the problem. And then, like you said, um, you know, my friends that I graduated school with and. It upsets me to no end. They're all retiring. And I'm like, yeah. wait a minute here. You're not supposed I'm not retiring yet. Why are all you retiring? But they're retiring. You know, teachers. Right. Uh, a lot of them are teachers. And, man, they're getting out. They you know, just had another friend. Well, two. Two of them uh, just retired at the end of the school year. School year. So, um Yeah, it's getting worse.
0: Yeah, and like you say, I mean, this is not going to fix itself, you know, in the next six months or a year. This is at least a 10-year cycle and could be longer. And, of course, you know, nobody wants to face the fact, uh, both from the policy side and and from the, uh, you know, the social side of we need good immigration, policy here for this country. Yes, we do. And neither party, Democrats or Republicans, seem to want to, they want to sensationalize immigration. Uh, You know, certainly what's going on at the border right now is is not anything I agree with. Um, But at the same time, we're gonna need solid immigration policy to fill these jobs. And, you know, I find it interesting. I was in Germany five years ago on a tour with John Deere and at the John Deere manufacturing facility in Germany, the vast majority of the workers there were, uh, Ukrainian, Lithuanian, Poland, Polish. Um, they had immigrated over because this cycle was playing out in, in Germany at the same kind of the same way it is here. Mm -hmm. You know, Germans, there wasn't a lot of them. People hadn't had kids. They, uh, you know, social programs were pretty solid in Germany, so, you know, it didn't encourage work. And uh, so they were relying on immigrant labor to run the factories there.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Well, you know, you and I, uh, amongst other farmers and, and people in agriculture, you know, I know I've, I've you know, uh, locked elbows with you. And we have advocated to elected officials that we need a smart uh Farm worker guest program or immigration policy or whatever it is. This idea of streaming people across the border illegally does nothing in the end to fix problems. Um, yes, the, they are a labor pool, but it's not a good labor pool. And that's not a reflection on the individuals, it's a reflection on the way they're here. They're forced to live in darkness. They're forced to always be ducking the law, and the the people that employ them, if they find out that they're illegal, they either have to duck the law, or uh, they have to get rid of their labor force, and, and that solves no problems. It, it solves none, and, and so it's just crazy that you know since I've been in this job for twenty years. We've talked to elected officials, US senators, our congressional representatives, we've talked to all of them, and nothing gets done about it. And it's just ridiculous. We need, a, as you said, Ron, we need a good immigration policy, a good farm guest worker program where we can bring these people that want to come into the United States, we can bring them in legally, and they can pursue a path to citizenship. Or they can be here for a certain number of years and then go back home like a lot of them do want to do uh, when they're coming in here illegally. yeah, yeah. So.
0: yeah and I you know I was uh, the same thing for some of the seasonal uh, resort businesses, you know, places like Lake George and uh, Lake Placid and uh, Old Forge. you know, in the past, They've had, the last few years, they've had to reply, uh, uh, rely on Eastern European, I think it's an H-2B visa something program. Something like that, yeah. And, of course, something has had, of course, with the war in Ukraine, you know, certainly it's it's a little more difficult now for those people to get over. Some other things have happened within that H-2B program to make it more difficult for those individuals to get over here and work for the season, and uh, so it's not just farms, and of course, man And like I said, you know, manufacturing businesses uh, kind of in the same boat.
1: Well, I've got a manufacturer right now that has approached me, yeah. asking for how can I get some foreign workers legally, because I can't fill the jobs that I have open. Um, they're in a bind.
0: And yeah, and I mean, you know, for those that say, "Well, you just need to pay more." That, no, that's that's not even on the table for discussion because they're very well paid. I mean, yeah. this I know the particular business you're talking about is a very well-run business and they pay their people very, very well. Right. And, and the vast majority of farms uh, are the same way. I mean, it's, I mean, 99.9% of them uh, pay highly competitive wages to get right. these people and keep them employed. So, um, you know we that that is a, a lame excuse.
1: It is a lame excuse, absolutely.
0: And it's it's shouldn't even be a topic of discussion. Yeah. And
1: well, it, and you know this idea that we can just keep raising wages all over the place. Eventually, you run out of the ability to do that. You know, a burger at McDonald's is only going to be worth. So much. Yeah. And there, there's a line there. And that's why we're dealing with the inflation that we're dealing with. It's just, it, it's this whole idea that you can just keep running everything up. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Now, I, I want to get to um, you're pursuing one solution, which um, I didn't think was necessarily possible for dairy farms to do. And that's, you're you're trying to work through the H-2A visa program, uh, which is a a program that allows you to bring in foreign workers legally into
0: the United States, but it's a very seasonal program. Correct. It's very seasonal, which, you know, dairy certainly is not a seasonal operation. It's 24-7 every single day of the year, including Christmas, right? I mean, cows have to be milked. Every day. And uh, but the big part of one a big part of a dairy farm is the cropping operation. Okay. And running equipment, um, you know, getting crops planted, harvested timely, and uh, taking care of you know the outside outside work that has to be done, facility uh, maintenance, uh, equipment maintenance, all those things. That is more seasonal. Okay. Because in the dead of winter, other than repairing equipment, uh, you know, in the shop, you're not out in the field. So, yeah, right, right. So we have pursued an avenue. So a lot of a lot of big ag uh, custom harvesters, for instance, in the Midwest and the South, uh, big agricultural operations in the South and the Midwest that require a lot of people have have gone to the H2A program and teamed up with recruiting services that bring uh, people in from places like South Africa, uh, Ukraine, um, Poland, uh, sometimes South America, uh, hmm. Brazilians, Argentines, but South African being being a, a real potential conduit. And so we have to go back and recognize that in South Africa um, – a lot of white South Africans were uh, driven off their farms. Right. Yeah, they were literally. Yeah, driven li- off literally at at farm. at gunpoint, yeah. driven off their farms. Um, and so you have this pool of basically farmers who lost their land, and uh, they're very well trained, um, you know, mechanics, equipment operation, and they're eager. Who come over here and work for nine or 10 months.
1: Huh, okay, okay. And like you said, these are people that were involved in agriculture, got driven out of it because of political issues, and yeah. I, we won't go into those. Um, and now they're looking for the opportunity to get back in, into agriculture.
0: Yes. Huh, yeah. well that's and, interesting. And a lot of these big ag enterprises in the Midwest and the South, they have these individuals, they uh, they go they come legally for nine or ten months. They go home for a couple months, and then they they you have to reapply every year. But once you get the process down, um, it's pretty simple. Um, I shouldn't say simple, but <laughs> I was it's. And
1: uh, <laughs> we're talking federal government.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess that was a poor choice of words. Um, but you know, at least once you're in the routine of it, it becomes more straightforward, I guess. And uh, they can come back huh. if they so wish.
1: So, so you wouldn't use these people for milking because milking, like you said, is 365 days a year, um,
0: and you want the people that are milking your cows to be there every day and have consistency every single day of the year. That's
1: really important for milking cows because their cows are very sensitive to a change in in the process, even little changes. Yeah, even
0: subtle changes. Uh, Cows are very much creatures of habit and they like to be handled the same way at the same time. by the same person every single day. Hmm. And once they adapt, um, that's a topic for another day. We're actually doing, doing a study with Syracuse University that in regard to human interaction, but they're they're putting they're using they're doing a study at our farm in regards to cows and what they can potentially learn from cows and relate it to humans. <laughs> <laughs> and I said a lot.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say probably a lot more than we realize. Yeah, oh, but that's my. a topic for yes, another yes, day, yes, anyway. Yes. So so you wouldn't use these H2A people for milking your cows, but like you said, um, you're cropping, you know. Planting and harvesting, that is very seasonal here in northern New York.
0: Yes. So there's
1: an opportunity. So where are you at in that program?
0: So we teamed up with a recruiting service based out of North Carolina. Uh, It's actually a faith-based recruiting service. Oh, wow. Um, So uh, um, very neat people to work with. And um, they, uh, they... provide you with resumes. They, uh, they vet candidates, um, do the initial interviews and then they pass them off to us for a conversation. And then ultimately you make a decision. If you want, if you want two workers, uh, you know, they'll provide you lots of candidates and you can decide, uh, then they walk you through the, the whole immigration, uh, paperwork policy or paperwork issues. And, um, you have to do a housing inspection by the New York State Department of Labor. So you
1: have to provide yeah, housing. Yeah, you
0: have to provide housing. You have to provide them with uh, uh, a means of communication, uh, cell phone, and you have to provide them uh, with transportation at least to and from work every day.
1: So they won't be legal to drive them. They will
0: be legal to drive, but you have to give them a, uh, you know, you either got to give them a car or you got to provide them, with a ride. But huh. they, they do have a US, All these candidates um, are legal to drive in the U.S. when they arrive here.
1: Oh, wow. Well, that that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this, because I'm thinking back to the manufacturer that asked me the question the other day about how do they obtain foreign workers. Is it possible then? Because, you know, a manufacturer somewhat like milking cows. Right. They're gonna want the same people three sixty five but I'm wondering in their case because they're not dealing with sensitive cows right if if they were to obtain you know let's say two workers for ten months um and then is, be in the process to obtain two more workers
0: right for you know, another 10 months. And in. then rotate.
1: Is it possible to for them to get the same two yes. workers back in yes. a cyclical fashion? Yes. So they could train these people up, yep. have another two that come in that they train, and then they just keep rotating those right. people that have been there. Yep. They just keep rotating them through the operation. Yep. Now, with the H-2A program, you're required to advertise for local people.
0: Yeah, so the service helps. All that, and, oh, okay. and uh, gets you through that whole process. And uh, you pay a fee up front, of course. And uh, um, and then, uh, and of course, yeah, you advertise, and you don't get a lot of candidates. No, right now. <laughs> so that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And, huh. uh, you know, you especially don't get the candidates that have the level of training that these H-2A folks have. Right. And, you know, you get some that, you know, they've worked in equipment dealerships as technicians. They've been in machine shops. They've, some have driven truck. Um, So, you know, they have. Do you
1: see, Ron, and, you know, and you know the manufacturer I'm talking about, do you see restrictions in the H-2A program that would eliminate the manufacturer's ability to take it? Not really, no.
0: I, you know. Yes, they'd have to rent housing, um, you know, and do those kinds of things. But because uh, most manufacturers are not like farms, we we tend to provide housing yeah, for you, a lot you of do that normally. Yeah, and uh, just you know, so people are on site twenty four seven. But you know, from this case, uh, you know, I just I think it's an option that that we need to work towards and explore further. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in a little bit of a hangup right now. Uh, we had two workers that were approved 33 days ago. Um, and their paperwork was all approved. Um, unfortunately, uh, there's a form that comes with that approval that has to go, the service has to get their hands on that form from immigration and then they forwarded on to the individuals to take to the consulate in their country. And unfortunately, the forms never showed up. Oh, jeez. And we've tried and tried and tried to reach out. We have a phone number with immigration in Washington, D.C. that nobody ever answers the phone. They don't respond to any emails. We got a hold of an individual in the Buffalo Immigration Office. Uh, He said, I understand what you need, but I can't help you. You have to call this number in Washington, D.C. We said we have, and nobody picks up the phone. And he said simply, well, that's the number you need to call.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: So so we have reached out. We have reached out to our elected officials to see if we can uh, get this moving. Um, Otherwise, had this not gotten this little hang up, uh, these individuals would have been here by now. They were due to be here mid-June. And uh, so we're really looking forward to getting this straightened around, getting them here, and getting our feet wet with this process.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Well, I I hope that you can get the the paperwork side of it resolved quickly. Uh, I know what that's like. I've had to help other farms that have run into stupid paperwork issues. I mean, one farm, uh, well, it was actually a winery, uh, they were trying to get labels approved for new products. It had been over a year uh, sitting in mm-hmm. an agency. I had to do a, uh, I had to work with one of our elected officials to get an in, a congressional inquiry of all things started. The paperwork was sitting on a woman's desk, mm-hmm. and she just had not bothered to even look at it. Yeah, for a year. Yeah. A year, it's stupid.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I have some experience in that. Of course, you know, a lot of people know. I was uh, during uh, Bush forty three. I was uh, state director for FSA, and I remember my f- my first month or so in uh, going to work in the state office in Syracuse, and there was individuals there that had stacks of paperwork on their desk, some a foot tall, yeah, and it sat there. It just sat there. Yeah, and nothing ever happened with it, and and that just drove me insane because it's like number one, I can't stand a stack of paper on my desk anyway, and number two, if you got work to do, just
1: get it done. Just get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh,
0: so, and not all, not all federal workers certainly are like that. No, there's no, a lot no. of great individuals, yep. but there's a handful out there that uh, they're just collecting a page. Yeah.
1: at our expense yes
0: it's ridiculous
1: so so this sounds like something other than this paperwork snag that you're encountering right now it sounds like something that you might recommend other farms other businesses to possibly explore
0: absolutely i i think this is a unique opportunity uh for us here in the north country to uh to potentially take advantage of of what's out there and of course uh you know, once once you get a process like this started, you get a flow of people coming and going um, on a regular basis. You know, I see where it uh, you know you kind of build a community yeah. of yeah. Uh, of these individuals, and hopefully,
1: and, eventually, these people might say, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, um, I want to be a citizen. I want to be a citizen," and they yeah. come over here and uh, yeah, and, uh, spread the spread the dig the roots in yeah. Well, and I just want to be clear, as an economic development agency, we're all about creating jobs, and we love to see jobs created, and we love to see local people uh, filling those jobs. But when you can't fill it with local people, we love to see people come into our area to fill jobs and generate economic revenue. So in this case, uh, if, if you can't find a, the local person to work, then let's bring somebody in who will work here, help be part of that local economic engine and keep that business viable here locally. So, yeah. you know, it's the next best thing, you know, to hiring local people. So
0: um, Yeah, know. it's it's just, you know, Jay, the, the message here is we gotta face the reality yeah. of the fact that we need people to fill jobs. Absolutely. They're not out there yep. for various reasons. And uh, we and without these businesses operating successfully and, and creating revenue, our local economy crashes.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, you're exactly right. Our our businesses cannot be sustained um, without people to work in them. Uh, you can put in high tech. You can put in robots in some instances. But you certainly can't have robots driving your trucks and no. harvesting
0: their crops. For no. You. Not
1: at this stage in the game. No. Maybe 50 years from now, but yeah, right who now. knows? But,
0: yeah. you know, right now, you know. we got to deal with the reality. Yeah, right. and, you know, we're in this economic crisis right now with massive inflation. We need, we need businesses to get all the help they can get right now, you know. Right. And, right. and having a stable labor force is so critical, and that's why it's so frustrating to me that our elected officials can't figure this this whole immigration issue out they, they- can they can. Yes. They don't want to. Yes. For a lot of reasons. If they'd listened they to you and I, Jake, to. we'd have this problem solved solve 10 years uh, ago. Yes.
1: I mean, 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So we started on this 20 years ago. And we do have the solution. So, any elected official that happens to be listening to this, just
0: give Ron and I a call. We'll
1: help you out and we'll let you take all the credit. Yeah. I wrote
0: a white paper on this I know, a long I time that. ago I and that. Uh, distributed it around and uh, fell on deaf ears. But, yeah. uh, you know, I. Well, we, we could have moved, been well beyond this by now.
1: Yes, we could. We would not be dealing with these border issues. Right. It's, it's just craziness. Like I said, there's, there's reasons they, they don't fix it. And um, it's unfortunate because those people that come across illegally, they're then forced to live in darkness. Not by the people that employ them, but by the government that they're living under. So it's it's a real shame. Now I'm gonna get a phone call. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just went down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I can feel the heat coming up <laughs> my back right now. <laughs>
1: Oh, man, yes, yes. I did say it, and I will stand by it, because so. yeah, yeah. it's the truth. Yes.
0: But anyways, all right. Well, Ron,
1: I think we've just about run out of time there. Yeah, sir. we've
0: caused all the problems we can cause yes, for one day, right? Yes, we
1: have. Yes, we have. So, well, thank you very much, my friend, for yep. uh, co-hosting, as always. You do a great job. And uh, folks, just want to say thank you for uh, joining Ron and I here on J. Madison's Rural America. Be sure to uh, check us out every week and uh, listen to the past shows if this is your first time listening. And have a fantastic summertime.
0: Thank you for tuning in to J. Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.